All right. So I like doing episodes like this. I've done it a few times. I scour the internet from time to time and try to find crowdfunding campaigns of just projects that I think are kind of cool. I mean, this isn't kind of cool. Actually, this is a really cool. So I was um, I was looking around and I landed on something called the Inn. that just the the poster of it um, really jumped out at me. Like just like it, it reminded me of something like Blood Diner or something. If I'm throwing names out there that nobody really knows, look this stuff up or whatnot. Um, Blood Rage, too, I think also. Uh, I got the director right here in front of me or the guy the one of the guys one of the main guys trying to uh make this thing happen sloan welcome welcome well, to the, welcome thank to the you, tyler thank you for having me <laughs> uh thank, thank you for crafting a pretty interesting project and saying yes to coming on this show um two florida guys i mean i'm not originally mm-hmm. from florida but we're about a couple hours apart so when i tracked you down on instagram that was uh Interesting to know you're in the Tampa St. Pete area, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holding it down. It's still kind of I'm on the coast here central, but uh I think we're uh we're pretty much similar on our Floridian lifestyles that we have right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in the Orlando area. It's I've I've been out I've been out that way for Red Sox uh Tampa Bay Rays games. Oh I, which I'm one from the northeast for? and I see you got a Tampa Bay hat on. Right oh now. my gosh. Oh no. It's okay. right. I'm not a big no, I'm just, fan. I'm not going to be offended. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I mean, I, I love the Rays. I'm not going to lie. It's it's my team, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, no, no problem there. No problem at no, all. It's cool. I don't I judge you. Last time I was there was like David Ortiz's farewell. Uh, oh, you got to go to that then. Yeah, it was just like farewell. It was like his last game at the Tropicana. And um, he didn't hit a home run because he was on a streak. But he hit like a ton of fouls that almost stayed fair. And it was, uh, I think the Rays weren't doing good that that year, but, um, anyway, enough baseball talk. Yeah. yeah, Enough baseball talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so let's, let's just at the top, like the in it's, it's, um, evil checks in, I think is your tagline. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, what's the, uh, not to make filmmakers famous when I say this, but what is the elevator pitch for the audience here listening on? Uh, so I think everybody stayed at a shady motel and especially working in a film crew uh, when there's no money, we've, we've stayed at some shady, shady motels. Um, so the, you know, the pitch is basically, you know, uh, this guy, what happens when there's a guy that just goes from hotel to hotel, his main kind of kink or his main thing is he'll, he'll just kill all the staff, kill the guests, run the motel for that night, check people in kill them. I mean, you got guests just coming in left and right drunks. He'll kill all those people the next morning, bam, checks out, goes to the next hotel. I mean, you, you go to a hotel for a night. Nobody knows you. They don't know your backstory. They don't know who you are. And you're next door to these strangers. You have no idea who they are. That's, that's, that's kind of terrifying. So that's, that's kind of like the real quick pitch um, that got Kevin and I, the other director and writer, um, it got us talking. And it was because we did, we stayed at this really, really bad hotel in new orleans and it was um i was terrified i I had kevin sleeping next to me um unfortunately we shared lots of rooms together um and yeah so we we had to we had to come up with something like to talk about with this because it was it was a joke that we had going that we were going to stay at some crappy hotels for every production that we do so last time I was in New Orleans, I actually had a nice fancy schmancy hotel, but it did have the oh, New nice. Orleans like kind of vibe to it. But mm-hmm. I imagine, no offense to anybody in New Orleans listening, but I'm sure there are some trippy ass hole in the walls out in that area. Just there was a baby that was just sit, standing out by itself, crying on the balcony. People living at the fuck, and we have we roll up in a production van that's got like two red cameras in there. I mean. The cameras alone, but the equipment, like every kind of like, you know, expensive equipment you can imagine. And um, the director that night, he didn't sleep at all. He just like watched the van the whole entire time. But this is also a hurricane hit. So we had no other option. <laughs> so it was like, I mean, but like, you're right. It's no offense to New Orleans. There's just crappy hotels in every state. Every city. <laughs> It's like a cool subgenre of horror. I mean, maybe it's made famous because of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't really throw any names before that but uh i just hotels have a vibe to them even like fancy ones even you know or you could even use like you know the shining and whatnot they just there's something about them people kind of go there and bring their baggage and it just leaves a 
a, a, a vibe to it. I mean, there's just so many stories of dead bodies found in cheap motels and whatnot. And you just, exactly. you know, people, people doing awful things to themselves, people, people, uh, I don't know, people cheating on their spouses in hotels, people doing drugs, mm-hmm. people hiding from cops, you know, it's it just, so there's always like this cool, interesting subgenre of horror or suspense uh, with, you know, with motels or hotels. I mean, I, to, since we're both living in Florida, I want to reference, there is a hotel, I want to say out near like Ocala area uh, called Journey's End. Oh, And I swear to God, it just sounds like a Stephen King novella. It does. It. <laughs> wow, actually, yes. Man, we could have called our, our film that too. Man, that was a good name. <laughs> well, Dang. you have time to switch it up if you Dang want. Dang it. Um, but anyway, so you, so when we were bouncing emails off of each other, you did mention, and you are kind of mentioning right now, you've been, you've worked on film crews and whatnot for a while. And I guess G and E always gets a bad rap or something. You were saying to me via email. Um, So you went to full sale university from what I'm told off the, uh, in research I did on you a little bit. Uh, Oh man, you, you got me on Google. You found me on Google. I didn't get you on Google. I think I, I don't even know where. I think maybe that was on your, maybe that's on your Kickstarter. But um, oh yeah, it probably is. I'll probably put it on there. But yeah, uh, yeah, full sale. Full sale. Talk to me about. I, I just I, I get different kind of filmmakers on guys who just picked up a camera and hoped for the best, and guys that picked up a camera but also went to film school. Like talk. I, I've had a few full sale guys on too. Talk to me about just film school and whatnot. What you learned and everything. Well. <laughs> Um, so I started, uh, film school first to get into film. I've always had, um, uh, I've always written stories and I really wanted to get behind the camera and start, you know, putting those stories to life. Uh, so I started film school, but then like three months later, I answered a Craigslist ad to be on a, on a film crew and it was in Tampa and it was in like a shady part of Tampa. So when I showed up, I was like, man, I'm either going to get robbed and killed or we're going to do a Hallmark movie that they advertise. Yeah. So, so I show up and I'm, I'm the first one there because, you know, I'm trying to make an impression anyways. I get there early, not that early, but early nobody's there. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is, I you don't answer Craigslist ads. You know, you just don't do this. And um, it actually worked out. It was a nice little, um, it was a proof of concept that we shot for making a Hallmark uh, movie. And after that, like I literally went from one set to the next. So film school took kind of a back burner and I kind of was bored of what I was learning in school because once you go on set and you're hands-on the stuff that you learn in school, it's, it's, it's good. And, you know, you're learning the basics and everything, but I really do believe that you can jump on a set and that's the best way to learn. I mean, hands-on just getting thrown into the fire, um, learning terms right off the bat, you know, and working 10 hours, 15 hours on set. I, I'm not for that, but it definitely one day on a 15 hour work set is going to teach you a, a lot. Um, so yeah, full sale was, uh, was great, uh, for networking. And, um, what's funny is actually I'm back in film school for LA film school for this, um, just a little brief little period, uh, to finish up some stuff. And that's more of like a little feather in my cap, to, for the degree and, and yeah. nothing else. Um, but yeah, learning on set, I would tell anybody, and I've told it to um, some of the, the teens that um, I, I work, I work at a church. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's weird. I work at a church, I do all the videos and then I make horror films, yeah, uh, but, but awesome. It, it is. I mean, it's a different lifestyle, but um, yeah. <laughs> I tell them like, Hey man, like you can make some good money working on sets, you know, like uh, just cause I do first AC, I do AC work. That was what I if I want to say what I was in the crew is mostly for AC work um, and you can make good money as an AC and it's, it's stressful pulling focus, but if you can pull it up, it's a skill that not most people want to do because it is stressful and it's, you have to, you know, be on point. Um, so I tell them like, go, Hey, just go on a set, find work. Uh, it's not going to be paid probably at the beginning, but you build up your talent, your skill, and you just grind out on these sets and, you'll get a reputation that you're a good worker and you'll, you'll get jobs. Yeah, no, I agree. That was pretty much kind of my same path too. I, I, I went to a community college film school and I, I was in the Northeast and I'm, that's where I'm originally from. And uh, Boston was booming at the time mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it, it went away for a while, but it's, it's back now. 
but uh, I was, I just, one thing led to another on, on jobs and went to, to circle it back around to shitty motels. I remember I had a, a job on a lifetime original movie that was shooting three weeks in Northern Maine. Like we were an hour from Nova Scotia. Like we were middle of fucking nowhere. Oh yeah. Um, and we all stayed in a shitty hotel and we had Ted Levine who played Buffalo Bill and silence of the lambs in the movie. So he's just walking around with his creepy ass voice, but yeah. And then back to film school here, but I, I ended up just kind of, I, I don't even want to say dropping out, but I did. I dropped out. I, I just, I, I got one gig on a shoot, led to another, led to another. Next thing I know, I'm falling behind in classes. Mm-hmm. Next yeah. thing I know, I'm just not showing up because I'm driving out to Boston for a week of shooting because uh, they needed a PA on something. And it's just like, I, I loved it. I loved it. And then it kind of ran out of steam and I had to switch things up a little bit. That's a complete story. But I, I'm not someone who, necessarily i mean i guess the million dollar question is for you do you you prefer film school or not but i'm not someone who necessarily bashes on film school but i think it is yeah like you learn by doing in this line of work you learn by just showing up on set and hoping you don't get fired (laughs) Uh, yeah pretty much yeah exactly i mean and if you're a good worker and you show up and you're doing just say pa work at the very beginning um that's all you really need. You just need to have a great attitude and show up on time. And if someone asks you to do something, man, do it. And uh, don't feel afraid to ask questions. Like if you're, you see G and E over there and you want to be part of that, ask them about it. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is just making sure you network. Um, but I will say if you want to get into other things, like I really like camera operating. Um, and like I said, with Tampa Bay Rays sports and stuff like that, I wouldn't mind a camera operating gig. And a lot of that is actually having a degree. They do look at degrees, mm-hmm. experience and degrees. So for me, I think film school is vital if you want to, say, do something outside of going on sets and filming. If you want to do sets and, and work on it as crew, just show up. Yeah, no, definitely. All right. Let's jump ahead a little bit uh, to the craft and what maybe has inspired you over your whole life with trying to make films and telling stories. Uh, to jump back even further past film behind film school, uh, like how long have you been trying to tackle this medium, whether it just starts with storytelling and whatnot, and then it transitioned to film? Like, did, did it go back to childhood? Yes, it did. Um, I've always, like I said, stories um, and writing stories. I remember, uh, I mean, it was elementary school. I wrote like a whole story about like an alien abduction, abduction, the uh, and um, this is like, I think it was like fifth grade. And I wrote a whole story on it because we had a project. And it was like, somebody's probably not touching alien, you know, abduction over there next to me. I don't know what the teacher thought. She's reading all these like, I don't know. And then you get to my story. But it's like I always had in the in my mind. So I would write them down. I wouldn't, I didn't learn how to actually write scripts until like five years ago. Because I was writing everything down with pen mm-hmm. or I was typing it out uh, on my phone in the notes. Um, So for me, it was really, I'm an idea guy. I always have ideas in my head. I constantly have like a new film idea going like every, like feels like every 10 minutes, there's a new idea pops up. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was the process is I got all these ideas. I need to put them down. I need to make some of them or, you know, put them out there because it was just overwhelming. You know, you got all these ideas flowing in you. So, um, but I, I didn't get into film until five years ago. Um, and that was, I was doing a factory job for like five years working at Chrysler, making transmissions for five years. Beautiful, not beautiful, good job. It was, I wouldn't say beautiful. It's manufacturing. It was a great job. It was a union job. So, you know, you get paid good, you get all these benefits. And I gave that up, came down to Florida because I'm, came down in 98 to Florida, but I was actually born in Indiana. So I'm an Indiana I could kind of pick up on a Midwest accent, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> well, I was raised by my grandmother for a lot of my childhood, and she's from the mountains of Tennessee. Yeah. So I didn't know that nobody says crowns, and they say crayons. I've been saying crowns my whole entire life, and I come down here, and people look at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Nobody says crowns. Are you serious? No, it's crayons. I've never heard of that at all. <laughs> you never heard crowns? No, because I've been saying Man. crayons my whole life. <laughs> another one man i don't know i guess man i felt so dumb but i've been doing it it's like i've been robbed of like speech from my grandmother who's from the mountains of tennessee um 
so yeah and then uh five years i got into it uh but i'm a story writer i mean i'm a storyteller that's that's the main thing um i would say like camera work like dp and stuff has never been something that's intrigued me like I, I can watch a film and it's wow that's beautiful shot really well but the story is what i really like hold on to um and phantasm for example i can remember as a kid um my dad hyped that movie up so much he's like we're gonna watch this movie it's called phantasm and it's got the tall man so i remember already like you hear about the tall man and you're so engaged like that sends you chills just hearing about it exactly and then you watch it as a kid and you see these balls flying and shooting in people's heads and little midget people as a kid you're like what is this this is the most insane movie that you could ever watch like the concept is so cool and after that i literally i just wanted to make films so i let me just also specify don coscarelli has just had a hell of a career with phantasm and everything else that's come outside of uh the, that franchise he's i mean i think he made that movie in like his early 20s and i think his first film was like he made it like 17 or 18 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, uh, so you kind of answered my next question or we're about to, but, um, one of the kind of golden million dollar questions on this show is, you know, what was a film or what was something that, you know, made you say, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's phantasm evil dead Two, um, Sam Raimi for, I mean, honestly, like phantasm's the film, but Sam Raimi's the director that like I've, yeah. I just have to watch Sam Raimi stuff. I just love everything that he does. I just like how he, you know, something like Evil Dead, how he studied like silent film humor and mm-hmm. put it in, into that. Like he's, have like, have you ever heard somebody say a bad thing about Sam Raimi? I mean, only the Sony is ex that didn't want to do the next uh, Spider-Man, but that's, I mean, honestly. Well, they're paid to say no and to, to stop to, to people. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, that, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Those are two standout films in that genre and kind of speaking of genre, like, was it always horror that you wanted to do or was there anything outside of it you've kind of gravitated towards? I think one time in my life, I tried to do like a, add it, add like a romance element to a story. And I'm like, I'm just, I just can't do it. Like horror is so fun and and adding comedy to it. Um, Because of course, like if you like Evil Dead 2, Mm -hmm. Army of Darkness and all that stuff. And that's what you were raised on is the 90s kind of, you know, uh, horror comedies. I mean, honestly, that's all I can write is horror comedies. I'm not going to lie. I can write drama. I like dramas, but I want to have fun. Like if I'm making a film and I'm writing a film, I just want it to be a fun like experience. And the viewers are going to see that as well. So I think I, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say horror comedy is, is what I'd like to stay in. I um, horror and comedy. Um, I haven't done, I've done one. I've wrote one story. It was like a camping story that was straight comedy and that will never see the light of day. Um, because I, I think maybe I think I'm funny. That's the problem is when you write something, you think, oh, that's funny, but is it funny to somebody else? That's the problem. So I can't, I can't, I can't do comedy all the way. I just, I'm too scared of it. I guess I could say. It's kind of funny. You mentioned two Sam Raimi films just to bring it back to him real quick. And I'm asking, nobody said a bad thing about him. I think he just has so much respect because People say horror comedy is a hard thing to pull off. I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but I could see some arguments of that. Um, but because there's been horror comedies that are just like fucking train wrecks. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. But like he really has been the gold standard for producing a good horror comedy. I, I feel like he, he just knocks that out of the park. Yeah, that's cool. Because like I, I only, I feel like my background comes from dramedies as a writer. I mean, I'm a filmmaker myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like when I've started to write more horror, I, I feel like I'm writing more drama, or like I need something deep and dark uh, in it, like a, a really kind of poignant message. But I still like to have a slight bit of humor because I feel like sometimes. I don't know about you, but sometimes horror that just is too goddamn fucking serious can get a little exhausting. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you got to hit him with a one-two punch. Yeah. Like, he, if you, It makes it 
the because I see it as like a full experience of ride. And like as a roller coaster, you got hills, you know, that that hills that that's excitement. Then you go down and you might have a little bit of the track and then boom, there's another hill in front of you. So with like horror, I just see it as like scare the living crap out of them. But then you got to make them laugh because they won't they're not going to expect to laugh. Mm-hmm. you know so when you when they laugh it's like oh my god that was hilarious might not be the funniest thing but they're not expecting it so i think that's a, another hill on a roller coaster ride of a horror film that you can throw in there it's, yeah especially if you have burned your not burned your audience out i shouldn't say that you if you have completely like emptied their emotions of fear and whatnot like got them good on a scare multiple times like they almost like that little laugh of reassurance and i don't know i it's think like the I, I think there's like good scene. There's been a few good scenes and this isn't necessarily a comedy. I'm sorry. I'm just throwing out. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. I'm listening listening to um, Like sometimes a a good like breather in a horror film, I think is still justified. Like uh, one guy that pulled it off in the last five years and maybe this is up for debate and I don't see like internet talking a lot about this, but Conjuring 2, um, James Wan has this scene in the middle of that movie when it's just this roller coaster of a fucking scary ass nun jumping out at you mm-hmm. has this scene where it's Patrick Wilson sits down, pulls a guitar out, sings an Elvis song to the kids. And it's kind of this beautiful heartwarming scene. And yeah. I just remember thinking like, I don't know. I felt like it fucking worked. Like I felt like it, it was a nice breather, but you know, like it's like a pin in the middle of the movie where you're like, okay, it's been really scary. I'm going to give you this just to give you a breather and then get ready. Cause even in that scene, they start to kind of show some terror starting to loom and um, some dread starting to kick in and you know, like, okay, it's going to get, it's going to get rough again down the road. So I don't know. I I guess I like a little bit of roller coaster of emotions in my horror from time to time. Yeah. And uh, for example, like if we talk about evil dead, the the remake um, one, I think the remake is, shot very well mm-hmm. it's it's pretty terrifying like i've only watched that film one time Be, i mean not because it's oh my god it's so scary but it's it's it is intense it's like the whole entire movie yeah. is like intense and it t- it takes a lot out of you whereas with you know go back to evil dead um two uh or even even the first one um there's you have those moments where you can breathe and you can yeah. relate to the characters and just and then back to, you know, some deadites, you know, freaking you out. And it works well. It just works very well. Um, but that, yeah, I will say that's the one that always comes to my mind. I know that movie gets shit on a lot, the remake. But I will say that was like one of the most intense films I've seen recently within the last, what, like 10 years. Yeah. Where I, I can't do it again because it's just it's just a nonstop, like over the top, over the top, like wow my goodness come on man give me a little time to just process like i'm seeing a guy like cut the tongue i mean all kinds of stuff i mean oh my goodness yeah i love gore i love all that but geez yeah i i I don't think i've seen that since theaters and i did enjoy it but i thought like you know the premise they went with on that with i believe they're having an intervention out in the woods for they're, they're, they have a friend who's an addict i don't know if i have if I'm it's something i've like said i've only watched it one time and I can know, like, it's burned in my memory that some of the scenes, but it's definitely not a film I'm going to go back to and like, hey, let's watch this on a Sunday. Hey, it's Easter. Let's go ahead. Put this <laughs> it's on Easter. Like, <laughs> OK, let's um, let, let's let's start to inch a little closer to uh, the end a little bit, um, because when I when this thing popped up, I, I feel like I, it popped up in a Facebook group. I don't post much in, but I stalk. And mm-hmm. I, I think it was you, you guys or someone involved with the project posted about it. And I just remember seeing the poster you had up and there was a Kickstarter campaign and like the poster just kind of oozed, tickled that fancy of VHS video store, 90s horror, which is definitely something we've just touched on a little bit of. Um, Before I kind of get into the film, I just want to talk video stores and in that kind of era with you, because that is a lot of people. I imagine we're kind of close in age here. A lot of people um, come on this show and I don't even expect them to just, it's almost like they listen and want to talk video store stuff with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like what was, 
what was kind of, what was your video store you went to? Like, what were just some video store experiences? And like, obviously you're a fan of nineties horror. Like, yeah. Were you constantly in that aisle? Yeah. So up in Indiana, it was video update down South. It was Hollywood video. And oh my gosh, I thought my dream job was to work at a video store. Like I thought those guys that worked and, and ladies were the coolest people. Like, man, these people, they, they get to work in a video store and they would tell you recommendations like, man, that guy's so cool over there. But, um, and no, I, as a kid, I remember one film I rented, you remember the Phantom with Billy Zane? Yes. <laughs> I rented that movie. I'm not even joking with you. I rented that movie for like five months straight. It was insane. I don't like, I, I, I can watch that film now. And it's like, I like it, but my goodness. Um, so I think Dr. Giggles was another one that, I would go through the horror section. I'm not gonna lie, as a kid, um, it would it would terrify me. I think mm-hmm. I would I would walk down those aisles and and the covers back in the 90s, dude. They hold no punches. It was an, I mean, you felt like, oh my god, I can't watch this. This is just the cover alone is too damn scary as a kid. And um, it took me watching. I think Doctor Giggles. Ice was it the Ice Cream Man? I believe is another one. Oh, with uh, um, the Maca- is it the Macaulay Culkin lookalike? Yeah, I, dude, I saw that cover. I know I haven't seen that film in a while. Yesterday, it was yesterday. I saw the cover. I had to go on Wikipedia because I was like, oh my god, is Macaulay Culkin in this? <laughs> yeah. And I was actually like, how in the heck this kid? And looks that's exactly- like mid nineties. Like I was like, no way he was in that. Like- I know. I thought I was like, I've seen this film, but I did not remember him in it. But um, it took like those movies and the the dentist man, dude, the dentist actually, that one jacked me up, man. Dentist. I stayed away from that because, I mean, to this day, I don't really like to go to the dentist. I will. Yeah. It's, it's a thing us adults have to do. But as a kid, I'm like, fuck, they made a horror movie about a dentist. Like, I, I kicked and screamed at the dentist when I was a kid. Um, but uh, you mentioned the ice, the ice cream man as Ron Howard's brother. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Clutch B movie actor. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen uh, Ticks? That was another film. Dude, Ticks actually, oh man, Ticks was, see, that's a, the 90s horror was so great. Like then that's where um, you can, you can name off films. I, I forgot, like I forgot Ticks. I would go and watch that right now. I actually, I, I'll try to find it and, and check it out again. Cause those films, man, dude, they, they were fun. Like you watch them and you had a, you had a hell of a time. Did so, you go ahead? No, no, go ahead. Do you go ahead? No, no. I was just going to say like, you have, I mean, every, I mean, if, if anybody listening to this, you, you should or whatnot, cause it's free, but have you gone on Tubi, that streaming service? Actually? Yeah, I have recently. My uh, co-director Kevin is such a big fan of Tubi. Like I just, cause full moon is on there. We're uh, yeah. full moon is another thing that really inspired us to start greasy boy films. And Tubi has been amazing for horror. Um, like you can go on there and basically find anything really. Yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff from my childhood that I was scared to maybe pick up at the video store uh, when I was a kid that or I'd catch it like I'm like two o'clock on a Saturday on sci fi mm-hmm. uh, sci fi went through a weird phase when I was it wasn't really a weird phase. But like when I was a kid, they would play horror movies that in the middle of the day on, on uh, the weekend. Yeah, I'd yeah. always catch these things that like I remember just not making sense to me, but it creeped me out. Some of it wasn't even a scary movie. You know, there's that term kinder trauma. Like you're not really, it's just something scary about it to a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I, I had my, my video store, I think was, uh, I mean, I ended up obviously migrating to blockbuster because of capitalism, you know, they just take over. Yep. <laughs> they did, yeah. They took over everywhere. But I, I remember having this like small video shop. That's now a pizza store in my hometown. Uh, across from like a friendly so like my mom and i would she i'd be like six seven years old uh she'd take me out and then we'd walk across the street and i would always dare myself to go just like walk through that aisle and i'd see my freddies my jason's my michael myers and like even the bad sequels in those franchises like Mm -hmm. freddie's dead that 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 scared the hell out of me the 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 poster and everything but it doesn't really bother me anymore, but um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I, I think on this show at some point, and then maybe I'll just like, 
bring people back and we'll do like a round table of just like favorite VHS covers from, <laughs> from that era. Um, before I get into your film, I know you're in the Tampa St. Pete area, but did you, have you ever swung by, I guess it's called Viper video now. I just got told that recently. Um, I remember seeing the news report when they were opening it up. I haven't gone there to check it out, but I got like somebody highly recommended. Actually, they recommended us when we get the film done to yeah. do a release at Viper. And I thought that was the coolest thing because um, we weren't going to do DVDs. We were just going to do digital. Yeah. And I did not know people demanded uh, physical media like because I haven't bought a DVD in a while. And when we put those DVDs up, that jumped up the Kickstarter. Um, I mean, we had like an enormous amount of people hopping on that. So I think we're going to hit up Viper and try to do a little release party over there. I have to check it out, too. I need to go over there. So I was uh, so I, I think it was like three years ago because it used to be Grindhouse Video. Oh. And it's like a it's like a little hole in the wall strip mall, typical kind of Florida thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, it's if, if you don't if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it. But it's like the video store. They have a record store and they have a comic book shop. So it's like everything I need right, right there. there at this corner. Um, but it used to be called Grindhouse Video. And um, I would make I used to have a job where I would like travel all over Florida like in a day. And if I ever went to Tampa and I'd finish my job, I would shoot over to Grindhouse Video, buy myself a Blu-ray, buy myself a couple of Blu-rays. Um, they do have a section, at least they did then, of uh, like local filmmakers. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah. I mean, some of the films are like from the 80s and 70s and whatnot, and who knows when. But um, but it's, it's not Grindhouse anymore. I guess the guy, I think COVID kind of ruined things for him. I don't know. If what's for fact and what's not, but he moved it to Knoxville, which is actually a good market for horror films. Cause they have that Knoxville film festival up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy, I don't know who he is, but he took it. Over. I've been meaning to actually reach out, see if they wanted to come on the show, but set up Viper video. And the day I was, I was going to make a pilgrimage out to it was the day after Thanksgiving and I got pulled over. I don't know if I should be saying this on the air, but <laughs> I got pulled over and found out I had a suspended license for some reason. Uh, it's since been resolved, but um, anywho, I still have yet to go out there too. So if you guys, you know, get like a premiere there, uh, let me know and I'll, I'll shoot out. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, that, it, it does sound like a, uh, like a holy uh, grail, a, 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 you know, do a pill, you know, um, what I'm trying to say here. It definitely sounds like a place that, just go, it's, man. <laughs> it's, you got to go. You got to go there. You got to do it. You got to check it out because there's there's nothing <laughs> like that around. And, um, I, you know, you get those ideas like, man, I bet you it'd be money if you start if somebody started a video store again, because there's people like a video store yeah. bar. You go get a drink and you go rent a movie and you take it home. And um, to find out somebody already did that, I was like, genius. This guy. I mean, that's that's the only one around. It's genius. There's I feel like every major city. Uh, I mean, I'm sure like New York and LA have multiple, but like every major city in the country, I think at least has got something like that going on. Cause I, I did a little research. I was like, maybe trying to like go into pre-production on a little documentary idea I had, mm-hmm. and, but it's yet to really pan out, but um, yeah, there's still a lot of places around the country and they are that like one standing place. And you mentioned doing DVDs on the crowdfunding campaign for the film or Blu-rays, whichever. Um, I feel like on like a horror film, this kind of audience would jump to it more because they want, they, they're still, all of them are still physical media heads. I feel like horror films still want to hold it in their hand. Yeah, they'll stream it, but they, they like need that thing in their hand. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I mean, people who are crowdfunding a, a drama on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and they say, oh, you know, that you donate this much, you'll get a copy of the DVD. I've noticed people don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to have that. That's for sure. Um, I mean, the last one I think I bought was up in New Mexico. Um, they had the house, whatever special of devil's rejects and the house of a thousand corpses together. Mm-hmm. So I picked that up cause I was like, cool. I mean, I haven't seen this. And I mean, it's a twofer, but I don't know. I just, I haven't bought a DVD in a long time. I think that's, I just, I mean, you have to go to Walmart, I feel, or you order online. If there was a video store, um, there used to be one that was like, it's called Movie Stop. It was the same thing as a GameStop. 
and you could go in there and buy used DVDs and everything like that. Dude, I went there like every weekend. Like I, I went there every weekend and just scoured and fun uh, to find rare DVDs used and everything like that. Um, I just don't want to go into Walmart and they won't have what I want anyways. Um, if I order online, I mean, I could do that, but if there was a video store, boom, I would go there every weekend and try to find something for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's transition into the end. Um, I, I, you kind of answered a question of mine at the top of the show here. I was going to ask what the like light bulb moment of thinking of this film was. And, mm-hmm. you know, you were down in New Orleans <laughs> staying in a crappy, crappy motel. Um, but like, I, I guess I want to say like after the fact, what was the process in piecing this together? Because it is a short film. Yeah. And like, just talk to me about, I guess, making the short. Uh, so the end was actually, we, we pieced together the full film um, when we were driving to Albuquerque from uh, Alamogordo in New Mexico. We were shooting a film for a whole entire month on top of a mountain. It was fun times. It was a hell of an experience. And um, Kevin and I, the co-director, we literally fleshed out that whole entire film in three hours. The original film was supposed to be an anthology film. Um, one, because I, I love anthologies. Creepshow oh, is yeah. my my go-to film. I mean, I've seen that film more than any other film. Um, so it was going to be anthology. And we had a poster made up for it. And it had all the four stories. There was the fisherman who used people as chum. Um, and gets his comeuppance. We had a uh, chiropractor and it's called Snap and he finds out his wife is cheating on him at a hotel and he just starts chiropracting, killing people by snapping them and stuff. It all takes place back at a hotel. So it was called In Dead Town. And we shot a, we wanted to shoot a short little teaser to hype the, um, the killer. Uh, There's a serial killer in one of the rooms that was one stories. So we shot that. And as we were making it, we only spent, it was only a six hour shoot. It was uh, two actors, three person crew, and then Kevin and myself um, at the hotel, the Pump Court Motel, six hour shoot, boom, done. Uh, when I started sending the steals, uh, Kevin hit me up. He's like, hey man, why don't we just do a feature length film on just the killer? And I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm really digging the anthology. I'm really digging the other stories. I think they're fun. And then he texts me back with kind of like, you know, a little quick pitch on it and stuff. And I was like, you know what? You're right. But I started editing the short. And when I saw Rufus, our killer, he's six foot nine, 290 pounds, huge dude. And I saw like how brutal it looked on camera and stuff. I was like, okay, yeah, we got to do a feature on this guy. This guy, it's just, it's too good. It's too, it's just, I mean, it's raw. Uh, We shot it like Halloween, uh, Rob Zombie shaky cam footage yeah i got that vibe too yeah and it's all handy cam there's i mean there's only like maybe a couple scenes that were on sticks and the one thing i like is we shot behind the dumpster because it's just oh man it makes you feel uneasy watching it it just makes you feel like i shouldn't be watching this guy get brutalized here this poor dude i mean the guy's like twice his size just one one hit and it was pretty much done i mean all the other stabs were just extra icing on the cake um so yeah we we decided to do the full length feature on on our killer he's called the sandman killer and the whole backstory you know there's not really like a we don't give a backstory we don't like just hey this is why he does it there is no backstory the dude just likes going to hotels killing people he'll run the hotel as you know one of the workers and then just check out so i mean he's just a psychotic weird dude um that gets his fix by doing this um, and that's, that's pretty much the process. And right now, boom, that's where we're at. We're in the, uh, the funding stage, uh, to try to get it made. We have everything locked down. We have locations, uh, we're waiting on higher, um, we're, we're waiting on casting, uh, just to see where we go with the funding. Uh, the good thing about Florida is there's plenty of talent here, but we would like to get a, you know, Michael Berryman lives in Ocala. There's a lot of horror he icons. Does? You want to hear a funny story? Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, I talked, we talked to to getting Kane in this film and we talked to the agent and Kane's agent is also Michael Berryman's agent. And my wife, uh, she's a pharmacy tech. So when I was talking to the agent, she's like, how far are you away from Ocala? I was like, well, I mean, like I'm two hours away. She's like, okay, well, Michael Berryman, uh, he lives in Ocala and, um, he needs a, a, 
a COVID test, but he doesn't know how to get one. Do you know how to get one? I was like, actually, my wife works at as a pharmacy tech. She could get him a COVID test if he really needs it. So yeah, my wife ends up getting him a COVID test. Gets you know a thank you and stuff. Pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that's just one of those weird like little little things that happen for that. Um, so yeah, we would we'd like to get a horror icon. And there's a lot of uh, you know actors that live in the area around Florida to be in this film. But if not. Jericho. Dude, I missed out on an amazing opportunity. Chris Jericho, like three years ago, did a garage sale and he announced it and I wanted a scarf. <laughs> I mean, that was back when he was wearing the scarf and stuff. And yeah, I don't know what happened, but I told my wife, I was like, we got to go. I got to go to this garage sale. It's Chris Jericho's garage sale. It's up here in like, I think Tampa or wherever he lives, Palm uh, Harbor or something. Yeah. Something happened. We didn't go. And I, I've, ever since then, I've been like just... I missed my chance. I could have had a scarf. I could have had something of, of Chris Jericho's for like five bucks. Well, I mean, if I think John Cena still has a house in Tampa, but I don't know, he might be busy with Peacemaker too, season two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, it's a great role that we could have for him in the film. You know, I think he'd be missing out on a golden opportunity, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. No, I feel you, dude. I feel you. I did not know Michael Berryman lives in Ocala. I'm, to be honest, I've been thinking about reaching out to have him come on the show. But anyway. Um, cool dude. He's cool. Yeah, he seems pretty cool. Uh, we're Facebook friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go back to the Sandman real quick. Like this mask is holy shit, man. Like this, like how did you come up with the concept for that look? So uh, the other co-creator, Kevin uh, Boganovich, uh, he's been doing special effects since he was like I don't know, 13. It's He was young. He's self-taught. Um, so when we talked about the mask, uh, we talked about a few things. Uh, one of them was, um, I, I love Nightbreed. Oh, and yeah, I got that vibe, yeah. So the Decker mask, I sent him that, and that was the only thing I sent. I was, I was like, something like this, because I always thought that was a really cool mask. Um, I don't understand the functionality of it, but it's really cool. Um, with the buttons on the eyes, it's just a weird look. So Kevin drew up something. I uh, sent it back, and it was that mangled kind of um, misshapen weird uh, mass that you see in the, in the short film. Mm -hmm. So I think he only did like one sketch and the man went to clay and he started molding it up. And when he came out with it, I, I it's called his creature shop. Uh, I went over there, checked it out. And it was like, my, my God, man, this thing is, this is, this is it. We definitely are doing the feature film on this guy. Like we cannot, this, this mask and just the concept alone is just too good. Yeah. It, um, I, I at first glance, like I, I see the uh, Nightbreed uh, resemblance, but, and I mean, maybe not a second or third glance, but at first glance, it reminded me of, uh, uh, what is it? The Fulci film house by the cemetery. I think there's like a, some sort of thing. If you know what I'm getting at, <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. No. Oh, it's uh Oh my God. It is. It's not one of his actually, I think it's okay. There's just an annoying little kid who's named Bob <laughs> and he is dubbed by like a 50 year old man. Oh my gosh. So there's this like eight year old boy. I mean, it's typical. Like it takes place in new England, typical like family moves into this nice rich house that's next to a cemetery. And things start happening but there's this like really demented looking creature and it's not really a mask but it's just kind of like how it looks but and maybe i'll send you a photo of it but it just immediately once i saw uh the sandman it kind of just creeped me out a little bit and made me think of that but um i think the film's streaming on like shutter or something but if you can look past the annoying dub of the child which oh i love dubs because it just adds another yeah it to it it i'll give you that like italian horror films when they get an american dub just it's so awful, but it's like so it makes it bad. so much better. You got to watch it, and you got to yeah, listen like, to every word. There, there's never—I've never seen an Italian horror film dubbed where I'm just like, "This is what I'm—I am not intellectually stimulated." God damn it! <laughs> I mean, the dialogue is always bad, anyways. But then oh, you add a dub to it; it actually makes it enjoyable. So it's—it's—I mean, it, it heightens the film every time. Of course. Um. So you guys have been getting a little press. I saw on the Kickstarter, uh, was it ABC Action News? Yeah. Up. yeah. Yeah. And so Kevin and I, are, we are the only, P we are the PR. And the Greasy Boys, our motto is you got to be greasy. 
And the crazy thing is like, we just reach out to everybody, you know, we, Hey, you know, we want to talk about a local film that's being made in, you know, the area. Um, I mean, we've reached out to everybody we could think of. And it, I mean, it works. It, if you do it, it works. Uh, I think um, the whole, you know, you miss every shot you don't take. It's for sure. It happens in film too. So we reached out to ABC action news and um, the reporter, Robert Boyd, he was, he was cool with it. He came down, he was hyped. He came on uh, to the creature shop. Uh, we sh- I mean, he did a whole, it was a great news piece. I thought it was going to be a quick little look at these jackasses uh, trying to make a horror film. <laughs> he made us look good on camera. So I appreciate that. It's, it's not easy to do. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. Uh, and we actually talked to Robert about coming back once we do the feature film to get some behind the scenes and stuff. Um, and then, right now like this podcast with you you know this is just actually you reached out to me usually i'm the one that reaches out uh but uh I, that's I kind of what that. i have to do i have to reach out or else nobody knows <laughs> so no this is another like uh it's really it's really cool and we're very appreciative of everybody that we can get to just give us a little platform to talk about the film and um so yeah it's, it's been fun it's been a, a wild ride of of trying to self-promote a film um I mean, and it's hard. Uh, horror films yeah. are you. The thing about Florida, I don't know if you know. You probably know because you live in Florida. But people that don't live, majority of the films that get made in Florida are lifetime movies. Correct. So it's all these drama, dramedies, and 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 stuff like that. And horror films. There's a lot of horror films in Florida, but they're made low budget. It's very regional kind of horror. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So to try to get something and get funding for it, it is pretty hard for a, uh, a horror film because if you ain't got nobody in it or you don't have anything back in it. Um, but if you're a lifetime movie, for sure, you're going to get stuff thrown at you. Like they really market definitely Tampa as the, the lifetime you know capital of the world for, for films, for sure. Yeah. Beach scenes, all kinds of beach scenes you want. Yeah, no, I've, I've, um, I've noticed that there's a lot of uh, crew calls in Tampa, St. Pete for sometimes they don't even announce it as lifetime original films. You just, once you're there, you're like, Oh, I see what nothing against those films I've worked on them and what, no, no. I mean, for a crew position, you're going to get paid. It's a job, dude. It's a job. (laughs) Yeah. It's good. It's good Uh, money. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, um, that was kind of cool because, like, when I watched the uh, the the ABC video, um, it just takes it takes you guys into like your little lair where you guys yeah, are just yeah. making like these makeup effects, and like I didn't, I didn't, I I literally about an hour before we got on and started doing this, I watched the video. Um, it's kind of cool. You guys have just had like your little makeup shop going for a while. I mean, I've I have a a, a friend of mine who's a past guest. She's out in bounces back and forth between Europe and Los Angeles now. Um, but she was in Florida for a while. We worked together at NBC golf channel. I don't know if she ever crossed paths <laughs> with you guys, but she mentioned like makeup artists in Tampa and it, it's kind of cool. Cause she was a makeup artist herself, but it was kind of cool to see, like you guys have this big setup going on. It looks like you guys have been working on a lot of multiple different little projects, maybe even cause I was seeing a lot of different masks in that video. Yeah, so, well, Kevin, his he's a full time, uh, you know, sp- special effects artist, uh, KBFX. Yeah. So he's he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he switched gears now to full time Greasy Boys films only. Um, so we do have a few films that we're looking at after this. Um, one of one of them is called Camp Carnage. It's like uh, basically it's it's a creature from a black lagoon meets meets like Friday the Thirteenth kind of film. Um, we also have one called Little Town of Bethlehem which is a Christmas film. Um, that one's pretty cool. It's, I, I mean, it's, it's still a high concept that we're, we're working on, but with the end, um, the thing about this film is we've thought about the next film already and we've already are starting to um, write for the day. I am myself starting to write for the next film. So what plays out in our feature film, there's definitely, definitely parts that will gear up towards another film of this as well. Um and that's just because we love the killer so much, but with Kevin, yeah, he's been, he's been doing some, uh, some really cool stuff for the last few years. But like I said, now it's, it's a full-time focus to get greasy boys and start just producing all kinds of, of, uh, effects for that film. Uh, the end right now, he's got like a, um, severed a torso, uh, that he just got finished not too long ago. 
and there's all kinds of other body parts that the thing about that place is there's no AC in there. So I don't know how Kevin can do it because we, we had to do, that's why I'm doing a podcast. No AC in Florida. (laughs) That's exactly. We did another, we did an interview um, last week and we had a fan on, so we had to turn it off and it was like an hour and I'm just dripping of sweat. I know he is too. We're, we both look the same. We're the same built and everything. And I'm like, I don't know how this man does it. How does he spend his time just in here sweating? Like I, I feel the sweat going down my crack as I'm just sitting here and talking. How does he do it? I don't know. And it's cause he's, he's just, he loves this. He loves it's all his life is it's special effects. He's learned uh, he's, he's self-taught and he produces some really great stuff. No, it definitely shows. Um, so on the Kickstarter page, it, it was just a little brief little thing. It said, you know, this film is a mix of this and, you know, horrid names and whatnot, but it also is like a little bit of Kevin Smith's clerks. Yeah. How, how does that come yeah. into play? If you don't mind me asking, I'm, so, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I just need to ask. Actually me too. I, I had my wife watch for the first time dogma. Did you know that there's no streaming for dogma and there could ne- there can't be because the Weinsteins own it. They actually own the film. Yeah, there's a lot of fallout from the Weinstein situation, I've heard. Yeah. So I had to find it on YouTube. It is on YouTube, and it's actually HD. I was surprised. Uh, I love Dogma. Such oh, a yeah. Great movie. great movie. Great movie. Um, so when we made the short film, there's the neon sign of the Palm Court Motel. And mm-hmm. the, if you can see it on the poster, the Palm Court Motel sign, I call up the owner the day before. Hey, everything's ready. We're going to be out there. Hey, just to let you guys know, the, the sign is down um it's going to be out for like a month and we're like oh my god because on the on the storyboards we had the the sign and it show it reveals the killer under the neon it gets turned on so kevin and i well kevin uh thinking on the fly came up with the idea well how about you and me are in the office and you tell me to turn the sign on and stuff like that and i was like i mean all right i mean we could do that so when we did it i didn't expect it to come up like kevin I don't know if you could hear it in the short, but he says all that stuff underneath his breath. It's kind mm. of like some, he's reading the magazine. There's a comedy element there. And once we, um, we finished it, we put it out and people saw that scene. They're like, Hey man, I really get like some clerks vibe from that. Like, like Dante, you know, you guys like talking. And I was like, you know what? That is actually a really good idea. Let's throw that. Let's add that to the comedy element. So the comedy element for the end is like that clerks kind of, humor that you know that banter and stuff like that um funny enough there's like a munchies like a convenience store right next door to the hotel so we already got like in humor of a convenience store you know you know a bunch of potheads or whatever you know it's it's in there so that it's yeah it came up because we did a short film and just thinking on the fly it kind of organically gave us the comedy element that we were looking for for this film and it's yeah, it's like Clerks. It's the comedy. It's the Kevin Smith kind of comedy. Uh, Jay Lift, Silent Bob. I mean, I'm I'm cool with that. I love that kind of stuff. I'll mm-hmm. watch it. Um, so yeah, that's that's where it's at in there. It's definitely it's weird when you watch the teaser because you go straight from very serious and very um, you don't feel very easy watching that. You know, this guy get brutalized, and then you go to these two chunky dudes in the office. You know, talk about turning the damn sign on, and then he tells me to. I think uh, eat his ass. I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember now. <laughs> so when he said that line, because we didn't we didn't write lines for it, I'm on the other side of the camera, and I'm just like, "What the? No, Kevin, you're sp- we're supposed to be serious, man. Like that's the flow of it." And he just he kept saying the line, so we just ran with it. I was like, "All right, cool. That's what you want to say in the film. That's what you want to say." Um, so yeah, that's that's where it comes from. It works. I think it works pretty well for it. It adds that that roller coaster of the. You got the the hill of the scene, the killer, and then you got this little hill of these two dumbasses, and they get their, you know, their kill scene as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to act ever again. I'm not. <laughs> uh, you don't want to be M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> no, I really don't want to see myself in the films at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's cool. Like Kevin Smith is he actually has a Florida connection. His mom lives in the town I live in, actually. There has oh been there has been Kevin Smith sightings, and honestly, actually, 
this will air after this episode airs, but let's just say to listenership, uh, I got a Kevin Smith episode in the bag. Not, I didn't interview him, but like, <laughs> but like I, I do have a, there'll be a Kevin Smith episode coming up uh, down the road at some point. Um, but back to you. Uh, let me, let, I'm just going to give you the opportunity right here. Talk as long as you want. I mean, not, not for like a couple hours, but, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like just, speak to the audience, speak to anybody listening. Like you are doing a crowdfunding campaign. You guys are doing really good, by the way, you got like 30 days left. I think what you got like trying to raise what 45,000 or oh, no, only 15, 15. Well, you guys have, you guys have raised 15. Oh no, no, no. We're oh, not no, doing it wrong. We're, sorry. No, <laughs> we're not doing as well as you thought. <laughs> so, uh, so we got, we have like 30 days left. We, we hit a really high, um, of course, with the poster, we timed everything, pretty well with and i was doing a lot of great pr with the uh the shirts and the dvds yeah, yeah. and come up with stuff so we hit like four we're at like 45 backers and we're almost at five thousand. so okay yeah i had it fucked up <laughs> my god i wish we were at 40 well 40, no 000. i thought i for some reason i was just like is he raising forty five thousand? and he got like 14 i was just like oh that's really fucking good still but no, that is still really good. Like, on, dude, honestly, I've done crowdfunding campaigns multiple times and I've, I've gotten far, but I've never gotten that far. So you, I, I, you guys are killing it. That's one of the reasons why I reached out to you guys. You guys are killing it right now. It, it's good, but Kickstarter difference yeah. between Indiegogo is you got to fund it all to get yeah. it. And that's, that's the catch, you know? Um, so, I mean, we, we, we're greasy. So we come up with you no know, ways. We thought one of the things that we thought was we get a QR code, with the uh, the poster, we go around all the bars that tourists go to, and we slap those babies all over the place. And hey, if they're drunk, they scan it. Maybe they might donate something. I don't know. It's we've come up with many different nice, greasy, dude. yeah, greasy, greasy ways to try to promote this film. Um, Kevin even came up with you know scrapping Cadillac converters. And I was like, no man, we don't need to do that. We don't need to scrap Cadillac converters. Okay, he's a gypsy by the way. Uh, so he comes up with all these gypsy ways to do things. And I'm like, we're okay. We're, we can make this. We can do this. Um, so, yeah, right now we're, I think, the great thing is, we, like I said, we had another interview. And then with this podcast, we really, we really want it to be like word of mouth. Um, we want it to be organic. So just having yes. people hear us talk about the film, that's, you can, I mean, we're passionate about it. We love this. We, we literally lose sleep thinking about this film every day. There's not a day that goes by that we're not trying to, you know, think of new ways to do something or um, how to promote the film. It's just two guys. It's just two guys that love horror films that, you know, we decided to make our own horror films and that's, that's what we're doing. And we, we actually, I do, I enjoy this kind of way of promoting a film of just hearing us talk about it. So yeah, we got 30 days. Uh, We need about 10,000. And the thing about this film is, you know, for 15,000, I think somebody asked us why 15, you know, I can make a horror film for 3000. And yes, that is true. Um, Kevin and I are very, cause we've been crew. We want to make sure everybody's taken care of in the best way. So, you know, crew has, you know, they're, they're paid, you know, the respectable rate and they're put up if they need, you know, a hotel, they have a hotel, same thing with the, the cast as well. So the 15 really just takes care of all the logistics of, of, of making sure the crew is, is taken care of the cast is taken care of and then the other bit of that is going into the um the post-production as well for marketing and getting the dvds and everything like that so i think 15 is is um it's not a i mean i think it's a great budget for this to you know make sure we can put out the best film we can um a lot of that is in-house with the special effects so we don't have to worry too much about that but there is budget that goes to that and yeah, so we're almost there. If we can find just a, a dentist that wants to donate $10,000 by all means, angel investor, or yeah. I, I told Kevin only fans is another option. Um, there might be a market. So I told him, uh, you know, there's gotta be somebody who loves feet. What if we painted our toes as the color of like Freddy Krueger or like, you know, we do a Friday the 13th across our toes. Um, not his toes. I've seen his toes, but my toes. So there's, there's that we can do that. There's always, we're not against doing something to get, get the funding of this film by all means. You're an independent filmmaker. Like nobody should ever shame you for trying to get money for your movie. Did you see, I don't know if you saw it, but 
the other day I was eating Wendy's and I found a heart shaped nugget and I just out of instinct, I thought of the toast that had, uh, I think it was Jesus. I put that, I put that on eBay. I put the heart shaped nugget. It's called the Wendy's love nugget. Okay. And I put it for a thousand dollars for bidding because I mean, I'm just looking for a story here. If anybody bought that nugget for a thousand dollars, that would fund, that would fund a piece of this film. I'm not against doing drastic things or, or just to, to put it out there, but I thought that was kind of funny little humor uh, to just kind of put the emphasis on, like we're really trying to get it funded mm. and we're having a good time with it. We're having fun with it. Yeah, no, uh, provide a link to the uh, chicken nugget in the, uh, to me and I'll put it in the bio. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm kind of a little, little down. It's been three days. There's only three days left and nobody's even wow. tried to, you know, bid on my nugget. So it's stuck in the freezer. Uh, my wife thinks I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, but you know what? The person that had Jesus on a toast and made $20,000, are they dumb? No, nope, no, not at all. You got to try really it. really lucky. They're really <laughs> lucky. Exactly. I mean, that could become an NFT or something. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> or just stay in my freezer. I forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's cool. That That's cool, man. This is uh, it's definitely just looks like a really fun project. I mean, I don't know. It, it it jumped out at me very clearly. That's why I asked you to be on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I definitely, before we go, can I just ask, why did you pick Kickstarter over something else? Well, we did a Kickstarter and only got $140. So <laughs> this is when we first started as a anthology film. I guess nobody was on board for the anthology. So um, that was all really pre-production when we started the kick, uh, the Kickstarter. All we had was the poster. Yeah. Um, the concept i don't even think we we might have had the mask at that point no we did have the mask we put the mask up there so we did it we got 140 bucks so we were like yeah let's try kickstarter so and the kickstarter has been doing great but that is the only problem is if it was indiegogo we would get the money no matter what so we're kind of we're gambling here (laughs) to see yeah that, that i heard is like the psychology of kickstarter like there are people out there that see your Kickstarter and go, oh, shit, they only got this amount of time. Some people are just like, well, best of luck, kid. Other people are just kind of like, fuck, I got to give them money. And like Indiegogo's like, eh, they'll get $140 plus like an 8% website processing fee or something like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. fine. They don't need me. So I, it, it's, a, it's definitely like a really interesting debate because like, crowdfunding campaign like on indiegogo like yeah you get something but like i feel like it doesn't light a candle under people's asses um or doesn't light a candle under you guys the makers to to Mm -hmm. really kind of push this thing as hard as you can well while you're not like flooding people's news feeds but like kickstarter it, it it just i think it I think it's also more popular. I think a lot more people are on Kickstarter, but there, there is like, I heard seed and spark has gotten really big too. So just anytime someone comes on and does a crowdfunding campaign, I always just kind of ask, why did you pick that? And I think it's neither here nor there. It just is. Preference. Yeah. yeah. It's it, I've seen, and I've seen them work on Indiegogo. I've seen them work on Kickstarter and it's really about just the people that spend every day trying to put something out there about it. Um, yeah. You're not going to make money if you sit on it. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's horror. I mean, a lot of crowdfunding is for horror films and you see the ones that work and you try to kind of not copy what they did, but you see like, okay, so I see what they're doing here. They're very engaging. Um, they got some cool, you know, concepts, cool images. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard. It is. It's, it's definitely a hustle. You're hustling for sure. I agree. I've been through the ringer on it. I don't mm-hmm. know when I'll be back, but um, I mean, yeah. Well, Sloan, uh, this has been a very interesting, uh, very interesting conversation, and I wish you well on this thing. And I hope we keep tabs while this kind of comes comes to fruition. Um, now, I obviously this is this is the part of the show where I say, you know, what are you people working on next? And well, really this is kind of a big thing. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll jump on and just say like, where can we maybe track down information about you, uh, your partner, uh, Kevin and uh, the film? 
So with the N, it's on Facebook. It's N Horror Film. Um, same thing, it's on Instagram as well. Uh, the Greasy Boys are working on a website. Uh, we definitely need to get up on that. Um, you can find, yeah, social media. With the N, we post a lot of the information on the Facebook page. So if you go and look up, you know, just type in the N, it should pop up. Um, that's where you're going to see everything from, I mean, BTS, uh, pre-production kind of stuff that we're talking about to maybe Kevin, he had just posted up a uh, detailed photo of the mass in his shop. So he's shooting. The thing about Kevin and I is we, we both, we do our things and we, you know, we try to promote as much as we can every day on, uh, on the end. So you're going to see a, a nice little flavor from both of us. Um, but yeah, so if you go to Facebook, you look up in horror film, it should pop up right there for you. You can find the Kickstarter information on there as well. And, uh, just say something nice about us and we would appreciate that. <laughs> say something about the film. If you don't, we've actually had somebody say, yeah, that poster is a ripoff from blood diner. And I was like, Oh, how is that dare. why you laughed? When That's I why I laughed. When you said that, I was like, damn it. It is. It's a copy of blood diner. I no, no, I wasn't trying to say you ripped it off, but like, I, I literally was like, Oh, it's like, that because I, I love Blood Diner. I think it's a fucking underrated flick. And I was just yeah. like, ah, oh, it's kind of like Blood Diner vibes. Cool. I dig it. <laughs> Dude, I had to look up the poster because I remember Blood Diner. And I'm like, no. I mean, yeah, but no. It's that not. sucks. All right. Maybe I'll cut that part out in the beginning. No, no, no. <laughs> keep it because it's hilarious. Like it's I'm like getting like tormented by this this one dude's comment about it being a copy of Blood Diner. So <laughs> now it's so, yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we appreciate all kinds of stuff. I mean, we've had people say the the mass looks goofy and you know what that's cool everybody has their opinion but when we make the feature film um if you like it you like it if you don't hey it's, it's your flavor you know everybody's that's the thing about horror films everybody got a different flavor yeah and the majority of horror fans aren't like massive dicks but no they're <laughs> great actually that's why i'm a horror fan because these yeah. people are awesome it's a community they're it's like friends it's just like talking bullshit and that's yeah. all it is yeah no um all right man this was again like i just said a lot of fun best of luck to you i will leave all of those links in the show notes which kind of defeats the purpose on me having you say all that but regardless that's where you find <laughs> all the information about the film about your production company about you about about kevin and um yeah man i uh i i look forward to seeing how this thing unfolds um well, thank you for having me tyler i appreciate it it's been awesome and just you know talking with another uh you know uh, filmmaker in florida and horror fan it's been awesome i haven't made anything in florida i was busy working in network television but um hey that counts you you did something i i, did, I contributed to the film gods somehow exactly. uh, <laughs> well and as for the rest of you guys uh we will see you all next week uh be sure to check out the in check out the kickstarter campaign it's awesome it's kick-ass and we'll see you next week on the basement take care everybody yeah.